welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from our business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group, joins me now. We left off in 2018 with a look back at the year we had. Today, for our first segment of the new year, we'll take a look ahead at the trends in the greater Vancouver real estate market. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Always my pleasure. We spoke late last year about the fairly significant shift we saw in the greater Vancouver market. Two weeks into 2019, are we seeing those trends and that cooling off continue? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's uh, certainly more of a balanced marketplace. And, and um, uh, I, I think, you know, a real broad sense is probably what we can expect for much of the year ahead. Mm. Now, we spoke to quite a bit last year about the uncertainty in the market, maybe a lot of people staying out of the market, unsure what's going to happen. Do you think in 2019, some of that regulatory uncertainty is maybe abating a little bit? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, I, you know, we internally were discussing kind of the state of the market and, you know, what the market really needs. Um, and, and my answer to the question was stability. It just, it needs stability. I think we have reasonably sound fundamentals in terms of, you know, continued population growth. There isn't this, in spite of what some people might claim or say that there is not a glut of supply sitting out there in the marketplace. I know that, uh, um, every once in a while, you'll you'll see these reports of all these empty houses and all these things. It's 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 fundamentally it's it's um, all the inventory we build is pre-sold, and that you know particularly with the new uh, vacant home tax that's come into place means you know these units will be be absorbed through rental, which is much needed because we still can't seem to supply the rental demand. Um, and so what we have is is uh, continued growth with with a finite amount of supply. So I, I feel like. If we can give the marketplace a bit of stability, which it seems to me is on the horizon, um, particularly with the latest Bank of Canada announcement that you know maybe we're not going to see continued interest rate increases, um, it may it may give some folks a, a little bit of comfort that they at least understand the uh, the ballpark they're now playing in with, with respect to what they can afford and um, and that uh, a regular and I put quotes around the term regular buying activity would resume. Mm. You mentioned that tone coming from the Bank of Canada. When it comes to that need for stability, do you think we're seeing the right tone, the right messaging, the right policies at, say, the municipal and provincial levels? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think the tone that came from the Bank of Canada was was a real, well, a fairly a fairly significant change on the macroeconomic level from what they had been projecting through much of 2018 and you know there's a whole bunch of factors but you know on a on a more finite scale what it does mean to the homeowner is that is that uh you know uh, rates uh, are on the you know variable rates have obviously look like they're going to stabilize here and then there's even some forecasts that the uh the fixed rates are going to drop so that certainly helps people who are renewing and then obviously uh, particularly with the stress test now involved um uh, you know, it gives people who are looking to buy um, a better sense of what they can afford. And so it does, it, there is a bit of a double-edged sword and that we're talking about an economy that might be cooling off. Uh, but I didn't get the sense of any ma- major, major concern about massive uh, job loss or anything of that nature. So, um, you know, I think on balance for, for our market, it's probably a good thing that we uh, we see that the uh, interest rates level off, at mm-hmm. least for the, the time being. 
How much of an impact today are you seeing those interest rate hikes have on, say, interest in the market? It was a big story in 2018 with a lot of people saying they can't get into the market. Maybe a good thing from a stability point of view, but how much do you think that's impacting sales, say, a year on from those changes that came into effect last January? I think it, I think it really depends on what part of the market you're looking at. And, and I think the most important part of the market is actually you know, the, the entry level or the uh, not necessarily first time buyer, but we'll talk about product like townhome uh, in in the Fraser Valley is is one I, I reference often because it is sort of the um, it's the new single family home I think for a lot of people uh, you know that that dream of the white picket fence with a yard maybe in Burnaby or even in Vancouver I think is is long gone and we're a long ways uh, from that being a reality for most people. So what that now looks like, it might be a townhome in Surrey or Langley. Or, and um, those marketplaces, I think, were really impacted uh, by the stress test. And, and in fact, it impacted in maybe a, an inverse way in that it, it actually pushed a lot more people into that marketplace and become it became a lot more competitive. And I think that what we will see throughout this year is that those markets will be the most active ones. Mm. Um, you know, they they were affected by the stress test. Um, in their ability to qualify, certainly, and it made it it made it more difficult for some, but it also pushed a whole bunch more people into that pool of people fighting for those for those townhomes and and that type of product. So, um, it'll be a real interesting segment of the market to watch. Um, you know, and on the flip side, the more investment oriented buyer who is buying maybe more luxury real estate. Uh, uh, in condos in Vancouver or Burnaby, I don't know that they were as affected by the, the stress test necessarily because they just tend to put down uh, so much larger a portion of equity in their purchases. Mm. I think you could almost call it a frenzy what we saw a year or two ago where people were almost panicked wanting to get into the market as prices were escalating uh, immensely day to day, even week to week. Has that dissipated completely now? Are we in a totally different frame context now where people are maybe waiting a little bit more cautious and less panicked about getting in? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, there, there's there's been a few big pre-sale launches uh, recently or towards the end of 2018, and it, it, it did definitely seem to be a um, a different pace to it, a different, you know, the, the desire to, the, the sort of the blind desire to get in line and, and buy no matter what. It was a little more tempered. It was a little more pragmatic. And those are not necessarily bad things. And, and I, I mentioned the pre-sale side of it because it really was the last, I think, to feel the effect. Um, and, th- and there's reason for that. I mean, people look at, a, at a, an investment horizon a little differently on pre-sale because, of course, often it's three or four years and uh, between when you might write a contract and when you're actually going to be completing on the on the sale, but yeah, there was definitely a a sense that people were taking a little more time to uh, think through their purchases and perhaps uh, wait and see a little bit on whether or not it was the right timing for them. Mm-hmm. To the point about pre-sales and that that spread between when you maybe buy a place and when you actually have to close and pay the full amount, we have seen five interest rate increases. Is there any concern that maybe people who bought pre-sales a couple of years ago at a much lower price or maybe not going to be able to afford these units and that we then see those units flood the market? To, to a degree. Uh, I think a large, a large percentage of buyers when they buy pre-sale uh, do get rate holds um, through uh, a lot of the lenders. What we have is uh, a program through 
uh, a variety of, of the of the banks um, where there is a rate hold in place that give uh, give the buyers at least a sense uh, that they have some security in their rate and you know they're the, the, the banks obviously build a buffer into those, but I think that in some cases those rates now may uh, be beneficial to the people who who took advantage of that. So we have a little bit of protection against rate increases through these pre-sale rate holds, but certainly not everybody takes it, and and it's not always uh, advantageous. So it's it's an area of concern, definitely. But like I said, I mean uh, most most people who buy in pre-sale have 20% down with the developer already. So I, I think those deals are are generally in really good shape because we certainly haven't seen anywhere near that kind of movement in the marketplace. And um, I, I, I think that uh, a pre-sale with 20%, um, you know, cash down with the developers is, is generally a pretty good bet. Yeah, fair enough. And I want to ask you a question about this from a developer's point of view. Land prices have obviously gone up significantly over the last number of years. Lending rates are now going up. What are the margins like to build projects and actually bring them to market in a way that makes economic sense for a developer? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of where we all are right now. It's, it feels like we're very much at this at this crossroads where um, uh, landowners have not had the, you know, their expectations of value are, are, are not yet, I think, adjusted to the new reality uh, where where there isn't uh, in, you know, for, for years, you know, developers were almost banking on continued uh, escalation. Um, and I would say wrongly, you should never do that. But uh, that was happening and it was driving land values up. And um, where we are now is is uh, we still have an incredibly busy construction marketplace. Uh, so trades and pricing on the construction side are still at the very, very peak. Um, I'm not sure they're still climbing, but it's still at the very peak, uh, very, very expensive. And of course, we're seeing a little bit of relaxation on absorptions and even on some pricing. So not a great spot in the, uh, you know, on the on the graph of, of, you know, revenue and costs to be for a developer. And what it means is um, acquisitions have slowed dramatically and, uh, um, um, you know, the, the price for land is having to adjust. But of course, it takes those landowners a long time to be willing to accept a price that was less than what their neighbor might have sold for last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what you end up with is just not a lot of transactions happening. Um, you do get a little bit to your, to the point of your question, which was margins. You do get a bit of compression on margin. But, you know, our marketplace operates for a large, to a large degree on on uh, meeting a pre-sale target and a margin that satisfies our lenders. And if the lenders are not satisfied that there's enough margin in the project, the bank simply won't finance projects and then they won't move forward. So, you know, we have a limited ability to, to compress margins as, as a development community. And, um, you know, and, and to a large degree, that's why we're not able to oversupply a marketplace. Mm. And you mentioned too, and I wanted to highlight this, the fact that a lot of the pre-sale projects out there have been pre-sold. So the quote unquote supply coming online is kind of already bought. If you look at the next say year, a couple of years, what's that actually going to mean for supply? How many, like how much real supply are we actually going to see enter the market and will it address the needs we have in the region? Well, I think you're going to see, I mean, there are a lot of units under construction, which is great because, you know, uh, I think a good portion of those that were were bought by investment-minded folks um, are going to are going to satisfy a part of the demand for rental housing, and and certainly we are not doing that on the purpose-built rental side. And if if it were not for those dreaded real estate investors, uh, our our problem with rental housing would be tenfold. I mean, the the condo rental 
um, uh, that the condos that are bought and being rented out by investment buyers have have saved us, frankly, from having even a way worse problem with with rent affordability here. So, um, you know, I think it, it, there are a ton of units. It will hopefully help with rent. Um, you know, a little bit relieving a little bit of the pressure on the rental, and then and of course, you know, you got a, a whole bunch of people that have also bought to move in. Um, uh, I think there's been some really great projects built and the quality of these projects and amenities. I mean, there's some really fantastic uh, new developments coming uh, for people to move into as well. I have to ask you about the commercial space too. We often talk about affordability challenges on the residential side, but they're there and very much real and issues for small businesses in this city to either lease or own real estate to operate and meet their own margins. What are some of the challenges going to be in the commercial side of this over the next number of years? Yeah, that is going to be a problem that the various city halls are going to have to tackle because I'm hearing uh, both sort of officially through reports and uh, more anecdotally just, you know, chatting with small business people that this year in particular, uh, with these new assessments coming out, there is a lot of fear in what that is going to mean, uh, translate to in terms of their uh, property taxes, and we've already seen this a major, major, major issue in Vancouver that these commercial property taxes are killing small business. Um, you know, you simply cannot afford to to pay the tax bill, and uh, we see it as well in trying to lease spaces to small businesses. You know, the, the tax rates are are um, are very high, and and commercial property tax has been disproportionate to residential for many years, and there's been a a bit of a desire, I think, to to try and rectify that, but of course, it means shifting more of the balance onto onto residential, which is your voter your your voting base, and uh, so governments are always very reluctant to doing that. So I think what it really means is we're going to need to check spending. You know, we've got uh, we've come through a, a period of time here of of unprecedented prosperity um, in the real estate sector, and you know, I'd say generally, and it's what it's led to is is a real um, significant increase in the per capita spending on most municipalities. And I think we are really going to need to put that in check so that we can try and adjust some tax rates and help out small businesses in particular, because they're the ones that are going to be hurt the most, uh, I think. Do you think we're going to see any kind of innovative solutions when it comes to, say, zoning or maybe changes to the size of spaces that hit the market to try and maybe in, in some way make it more affordable for businesses to secure space in Vancouver? A little bit. I mean, I think part of the reason that we've seen commercial in particular skyrocket the way it has is this, is this you know, uh, unintended consequence of, of uh, foreign buyer tax um, and uncertainty, you know, not just that you're, you're taking foreign buyer, foreign money and putting it into the commercial market, but you're taking, you introduced uh, through, through these various measures that both municipalities and the provincial government introduced, a lot of uncertainty on the residential side, and it shifted a lot of investment dollars onto the commercial side. And in particular, it shifted a, a major focus onto strata commercial. Uh, and strata commercial, there there were a few projects that achieved some very, very uh, high uh, you know, dollars per foot and drove land values up um, accordingly. And, you know, I think City Hall has uh, responded to that in that they've introduced uh, sort of a... Um, an incentive, if you will, or or there's 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 been put in place a, a, a disincentive to do strata retail, strata commercial, strata office, um, and I'm hoping that it will help um, to to keep developers uh, you know a little bit 
gun shy of going down the road of Strata office and, and to continue to produce you know, for lease office space. Um, because I think uh, it will help with values and, and kind of readjust the marketplace. But certainly that high watermark for land values was in part driven by um, sort of a, a renewed interest in strata office. Mm, fair enough. Jason, as always, great to have you on the show. Look forward to having you on many more times in 2019. Thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Haley. That's Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to our show, either on iTunes or Stitcher. We want to get the word out, so if you liked an episode or want to share the show with your networks, we would love it if you do do that. You can listen to more episodes and read more business news, watch more business news, listen to more business news over at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening.